Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're breaking down the Friday, November 17th slate of college basketball DFS. Now, we've got a very interesting scenario here as I'm sitting down here early to record this on a Friday morning. DraftKings does not have the Friday night slate up yet. So what we're going to do here on this episode, we're going to talk the early slate, the 3 a.m. slate that starts at 11.30 a.m., and then we are going to... um, you know, maybe get lucky and have DraftKings post the salaries by the time we're done recording that. But if not, we're going to talk about the games that are on the FanDuel slate for tonight because FanDuel went ahead and got their prices out early. Good for you, FanDuel. Um, so we're going to talk about the games that are on the FanDuel slate, which will almost more than certainly be on the DraftKings slate. However, I'm pretty confident the DraftKings will have more games than FanDuel's five-game slate. So um, we're going to get to talk about eight total games here. We're going to kind of divide it up into two parts with the early slate and the later slate. Um, but again, hopefully we can get some salaries from DraftKings and, and get the rest of the games on the night slate here on this episode for you. All right, so that does it for the introduction. Um, if you're listening here, um, make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the audio feeds. So that way you'll be notified when new episodes drop. Remember, we are a three-sport podcast right now. Golf is finished up for the year, um, but we are now doing college football, NFL, and college basketball. So if you're subscribed, you'll be notified when all of those episodes drop. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this early slate. All right, so this early slate has three games on it, and they could not be more different in terms of the totals that we're seeing for this game and the game styles that they're going to be played at for these three games. So I think that this slate is going to bring up a lot of strategic decisions when we build our lineups as to how many guys to include from each game, who to include for each game, how to attack each game, what game do you want to get your values from, what game do you want to get your studs from. I think there's a lot of strategic decisions here on this three-game slate, which is not usual for a three-game slate, but I really do like it, and I think that this is going to be really fun to sit down and build lineups for. So let's go ahead and start with the first game, which is uh, tipping off at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time, about about four hours from now. Um, and so we've got North Texas taking on LSU. Ken Palm has this one as LSU 65 to 63. So the good news for North Texas is that they are actually ranked five spots ahead in tempo from where they were last season. The bad news is they're still 360th in tempo. Yeah, that's right. There's 365 teams in Division I basketball. They were 365th last year under Grant McCaslin. They got a new head coach this year, and they are still 360th in tempo. North Texas likes to play rock fights. They like to slow down the basketball game. They like to limit scoring. They like to limit the number of possessions. So this is a major tempo down spot for LSU. So that kind of limits the amount of guys that I want to target from LSU. The one good news is, though, is that North Texas was really weak on the offensive rebounds today. They gave up a lot of offensive rebounds to Joel Soriano of St. John's. So that really does make me like Jalen Reed and Will Baker, um, LSU's two bigs. Um, You know, Jalen Reed had about 20 fancy points against Dayton. Not a super great performance, but didn't kill you either. But Will Baker was great Thursday against Dayton, had over 30 fancy points. In fact, he's had over 30 fancy points in two out of three games this season and is inexplicably priced at $4,000 even on DraftKings. I think that is a clear and obvious misprice. And I think that even with the game flow of this game, projected to be super slow and super low scoring. I still think you can play Will Baker, and I think a lot of people are going to play Will Baker because I think he's very clearly one of the best value plays on the slate. Now, LSU's guards are 
are really kind of a mess right now. They were supposed to have Jalen Cook, a, a, a transfer from Tulane, to lead this backcourt, but he did not get his waiver from the NCAA, which which don't get me started on that. Like I don't understand what the NCAA has to gain by denying all these kids waivers to transfer twice when there are guys in college football and college basketball that are on their fourth school. Trey Mitchell at Kentucky is on his fourth school. JT Daniels in college football is at his fourth school. So why are all these guys being denied their waivers for trying to get to their third school? I don't know. I don't think it's fair and I, I don't think it's right. But anyway, um, no Jalen Cook for them. So their guard rotation has been really, really kind of a mess. They play a lot of different guys. None of them really play at a super high minute total. None of them play at a super high usage rate. So I'm not super interested in attacking the LSU guards for this one. However, what I always preface when we talk DFS is sometimes the bad plays can turn into the good plays when nobody plays them. So if nobody's going to be playing LSU guards and nobody's going to be attacking this game because of the low total, you're going to end up with some super low owned LSU guards that if you like one, you might have a lot of leverage in playing. Now on the North Texas side, this is technically a pace up spot for them because pretty much every game is a pace up spot for them when they're in the bottom five in tempo in the nation. Um, and LSU's defense, they really let Dayton shoot a lot of threes in that game. Yeah, that's right. I got to watch the games yesterday. So I, I got some firsthand knowledge of these teams. So LSU really let Dayton chuck up a lot of threes. And so the question is for North Texas is, you know, how can they exploit that? Well, they do have some guys who um, shoot a lot of threes and they do have some guys who have pretty high usage rates. Uh, Ruben Jones, CJ Noland, and Aaron Scott are their top three in usage on the season. Um, Ruben Jones is probably their best guard, if, if I had to be honest. Um, he, he got a little bit of foul trouble against St. John's, so I wouldn't be super concerned about the low fantasy point total there and trust that he is the team leader in usage, and if he's able to play a full-minute load, he's going to end up being a pretty solid play. Aaron Scott is kind of their do-it-all guy. He can really fill up the stat sheet in, in all kinds of different ways, and I have no problem going to him for that reason, just because he's not dependent on any one facet of his game for fantasy scoring. He also gets dual eligibility, so if you play him, you got a little bit of flexibility with your lineup. But the guy that I think is going to be the most popular and my favorite play on the North Texas side is C.J. Noland. So he is not just any old, like, you know, group of five, well, I guess it's not group of five in college basketball, mid-major um, conference guard. Um, he played at Oklahoma before transferring to North Texas, so he was formerly a power conference player, um, and he is second on the team in usage right now, and he's only $4,200 on DraftKings. On Thursday against St. John's, he had 17 fancy points, which was easily four times value, and he was one for six shooting the ball. So if you can be really inefficient with your shooting and still hit four times value, I think that's a really good sign for CJ Noland, and, and I think that he's a really, really solid play here on this Friday slate. Now, the second game of the early slate is the second game at the Charleston Classic. It's going to be Dayton taking on St. John's. Now, I know a lot about this Dayton team because my dad graduated from the University of Dayton, so um, we love to watch Dayton whenever they're on. It's kind of one of our things that we do. Um, so, glad to see Dayton in a holiday tournament, and y'all, you might want to get to know this Dayton team. They're projected to win the A-10, um, and they play a lot of Friday games, meaning when DraftKings does these little two, three, four game Friday slates, they're going to be on a lot of them. So, you're going to want to know this team because they're going to keep popping up on DraftKings, even though they are in the Atlantic 10. So this game is projected to be Dayton 70 to 69. Um, this one is kind of a contrast in styles, but I think each team contrasts their own style. So what I mean by that is Dayton currently ranks 352nd in the nation in tempo, and St. John's ranks 153rd in the nation in tempo. And we know that Rick Pitino teams from his time at Louisville love to get up and down, even his teams at Iona, they love to get up and down, play at a fast tempo, and get buckets in transition. So this is 
definitely a pace up spot for Dayton. Now, what was also interesting is Dayton to get back in the game against LSU where they were down by as many as 15. They started full court pressing LSU, not really to force turnovers, but really just to speed them up. And LSU, their, their guards kind of just kept turning the ball over and it really worked and it allowed Dayton to kind of get back in that game and so could Dayton go back to the press today I absolutely see that as an option because over the last five minutes in the St. John's North Texas game North Texas went to a press against St. John's and it really worked so if Dayton decides to go back to the full court press this could turn into a game where it very easily reaches that total of 139 projected points on Ken Palm Um, and so I definitely could see this game being a surprise shootout this is probably the game that if you were to stack it up, you would probably have a lot of leverage to stack because I think a lot of people are going to stack up the third game. Now, let's go ahead and talk about these guys on Dayton. So, Deron Holmes is their best player. He is going to play in the NBA. He's a really talented big man. He's in his third year at Dayton, and he has a monster usage rate. It's still 30%, and he let everybody down on Thursday. A lot of people played him on the Thursday slate, and he only had 14 fantasy points against LSU, but if you watch the game, it was because LSU kept sending double teams at him, and he didn't really manage it well. Like, he passed out of it a lot, and not a lot of his passes passes out of it directly turned into assists. So it's just not him getting any fancy points if he's not going to score the bucket or get the assist. I don't think St. John's will double team him because St. John's has Joel Soriano down low. They don't need to double team Deron Holmes. So if Deron Holmes is getting to go one-on-one, then that's going to mean good things for him and he's going to be able to have a bounce back game. And I think that because he let everybody down on Thursday, I don't think he's going to be super highly owned here on Friday. Now, Javon Bennett and Enoch Cheeks are very solid players in this Dayton backcourt, but DraftKings clearly saw that Malachi Smith is out for the season and priced both of these guys up for that reason. And so they're not particularly values at their price tag. I don't think that they are bad plays, but it's tough to see a path for either of these two guys to get to five times value when they're priced up as high as they are. And Dayton just doesn't play at that fast of a tempo to get to, you know, 75, 80 points very often. Nate Santos is going to be the popular value play, though. He hit the game-winning three against LSU, and he had 37 fantasy points in that game. He contributes in a lot of ways, scoring, rebounding. He also gets some steals for you. Um, and he's kind of replacing the Tumani Kamara role from, from last year. And Tumani Kamara is now in the NBA. Nate Santos is kind of like the light version of Tumani Kamara. He's about 6'8" athletic, play some defense, really good rebounder. Um, And he's got a nice little outside shot as well. And so if he has all facets of that game rolling, he can be a really solid play in fantasy, which we saw on the Thursday slate. Now, the guys that I'm also interested in to play for this game are the two Kobe's, Kobe Elvis and Kobe Brea for Dayton. They both have usage rates north of 19%, and they both play minutes north of 50%, and they're both in the 4K range. I think you could definitely be okay with playing those guys for value for that reason. Um, They're going to get a lot of shots. They're going to come in, and when they come in, they shoot the ball a lot. And Kobe Elvis is a guy that contributes in more ways than just shooting. He gets you rebounds and assists, whereas Kobe Brea is a little more dependent on shooting, but he is also Dayton's best shooter. He's also probably Dayton's best shot creator. So um, those two guys I think are really interesting high upside options. They don't have to do a whole lot to get you to five times value and they've showed the ability early in the season to already get to five times value.
Now, for St. John's, there are really just two guys that I'm interested in on the St. John's team. So Dayton is a team that they've kind of had their ups and downs so far this year. They really struggled on the offensive glass against Northwestern. They gave up 12 offensive rebounds to Northwestern, but they kind of righted that ship against LSU and only gave up four. So you're looking at a situation here where, you know, do we see the Dayton team that rebounded well against LSU or do we see the Dayton team that did not rebound well against Northwestern? Well, if they do not rebound well, um, it's going to be good news for Joel Soriano because offensive rebounding is what he does well. He has a 15% offensive rebounding rate, which is really high. Um, but So I would be interested in him for that reason because he's just a guy that's going to be on the glass just all day long. And he's also going to be defending Deron Holmes. So um, if he's on Holmes, that's going to give him some opportunity for blocks. It's going to give him um, some easy opportunity for rebounds, you know, from those little short shots from Holmes. Uh, it also means he has potential for foul trouble, though. So I think that the Holmes and Soriano matchup is going to be really fun to watch. Uh, and I think that both those guys are in play. I think you can play both of them. I think you can play none of them. I think that there's successful strategies for playing both of them, zero, one, or two of them in this game against each other. Now, Dennis Jenkins is the other guy that I would be interested in for the St. John's team. He's the only starter with a usage rate north of 19%. Um, and I'm just not really interested in the rest of the starting lineup for St. John's. I'm just, I'm just not. Dennis Jenkins is their guy. Um, and until I see otherwise, I'm not super interested in playing Chris Ledlam or Jordan Dingle at their very inflated price tags. Ledlam and Dingle came in as transfers from the Ivy League where they had super high usage rates, super productive players last year, and they just haven't really been able to recreate that at St. John's just yet. So they're still priced very high um, and just haven't really done a whole lot yet this season. Now, I will say, I'm not the only one that has this opinion. So I think that Dingle and Ledlam are going to be um, very low owned, super high leverage, because if Jenkins or Soriano were to fail or to get in foul trouble, it probably means that Ledlam and Dingle are having a big game. So um, there definitely is leverage to be had by playing those guys, but just looking at the numbers, they're not really intriguing plays to me. Now, last game of the early slate, let's go ahead and talk about Miami versus Georgia. This is projected to be the highest scoring game of the early slate by a wide margin. Ken Palm has this game projected Miami 80-76, to which means that these two teams had the two highest projected totals on the slate, according to Ken Palm. Um, and Miami ranks at 120th in the nation in tempo. Georgia ranks at 63 in tempo. And guess what? Those are the two fastest tempos on this slate. So you're probably going to see, more likely than not, the most scoring in this game than any of the others. And so I think that this is going to be the most popular game that people stack. I think that people are going to play the most pieces from this game generally. Um, and so the question is, how can you piece those guys together in a way that makes sense for a high scoring game? I'm willing to go back to Norchad Omir for Miami. Um, he is just a beast down low. He, he's really strong, really good rebounder. Um, and Georgia ranks 291st in offensive rebounding rate, which means that they give up a lot of offensive rebounds. Um, excuse me, Georgia's defense ranks 291st in offensive rebounding rate. Yeah, it would be different if their offense ranked 291st. But Georgia gives up a lot of offensive rebounds is what you need to know. And that's what Omir does. He has a 14.6 offensive rebound rate, which is slightly behind Joel Soriano for the slate lead. Um, and if you're stacking Miami up, I would not pair Matthew Cleveland and Norchad Omir. I think I would probably play one of Cleveland or Omir from this Miami team because Cleveland gets a lot of his fantasy points via rebounding as well. And they both can't get all the rebounds. So I would probably play one of those two guys. And then if I'm stacking up the rest, 
the roster. Nigel Pack is a guy that I would want if I think this Miami team is going to score a whole lot. He leads the team in assists. And then you've got Wuga Poplar and Bensley Joseph, who are slightly mispriced in my opinion, and they will be super popular. But I would, I think you can stack up one of the two of them with Pack and then with uh, Omir or Cleveland and have your three Miami Hurricanes that way. The good news is, is that those starting five for Miami are the guys that play a whole lot of minutes. No bench player for Miami averages north of 13 minutes per game. For Georgia, um, Noah Thomason, Jabri Abdurrahim, and RJ Melendez are their three leaders in usage. All three have shown a legitimate five times upside ceiling, um, but Abdurrahim has been the most consistent to this point in the season. I think that Noah Thomason is actually their best player, um, and so I think as the season goes on, he is going to see more and more usage, more and more numbers. So that's probably the guy from this game I would be most interested in. Most interested in from Georgia. Um, another guy I'm interested in is Jalen Deloach, a VCU transfer, and as the season has gone on. He's played more minutes in each game, and Russell Chewa, the South Florida transfer, is trending in the opposite direction. Um, so I think Jalen Deloach could be a high upside option, very cheap price tag, um, a guy that's going to have to battle down low with Norchad Omir here in this game. All right, that does it for the early slate. So let's go ahead and take a breather, and then let's talk about the night games. All right, so as of this recording, we still do not have the slate or the salaries for the slate on DraftKings. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the five games that are on the FanDuel slate, which will more likely than not be on the DraftKings slate. So whichever site you're playing on, this information should be helpful for you. But I'm not going to try to project the rest of the DraftKings slate simply because I never know what games DraftKings is going to put on the slate, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Long Beach State taking on Michigan is for certain going to be on the slate or that like Oral Roberts versus Texas A&M is certainly not going to be on the slate, but I'm also not going to spend time previewing it if I don't think it's going to be on the slate. So um, we're going to talk about these five games here on the FanDuel slate. Um, use this as information to help build your DraftKings lineups and your FanDuel lineups for tonight. Um, and you know, that just pretty much this is what we got for the late slate so far. Um, and I'm kind of going to be projecting a little bit into what I think the salaries are or, or what the salaries actually are on FanDuel for the moment. So the first game that I'm confident is going to be on the late slate is Kansas State taking on Providence. So Ken Palm has this game projected as Kansas State 73-72. So we've got a really close spread, really high total. Um, Kansas is, or Kansas State, excuse me, is currently ranked 31st in tempo. Providence is 297. For Kansas State, Arthur Kaluma, their starting power forward, sat out last game. And Will McNair was the guy who started in his place, and you got to feel like he's going to be sent back to the bench if Arthur Kaluma is able to play in this one, which just early indications, I would expect Kaluma to be able to play. Tyler Perry is their best player, but believe it or not, Cam Carter actually leads this team in usage, um, even though Tyler Perry has been a more productive fantasy player to this point in the season. I think both of these guys are in play. The last time he was on a DraftKings slate, Cam Carter was still in the 6K range. If he was still in the 6s or the low 7s, I would be absolutely willing to go back to him and Tyler Perry in the AK range, I think, is a very solid play as well. Day-Day Ames has been playing as their starting point guard recently, um, and he's been in the starting lineup two out of three games. And he, he's been up and down with his fantasy performances, but 24% usage rate in their last game, 21.6% usage rate on the season. He was priced in the 3K range um, last time he was on a DraftKings slate. If he stays in the upper threes or low fours, he's absolutely in play for me. He's a guy that I will be playing in my lineups. Now, Providence is an interesting case study. Believe that or not, they have not had a player top 35 fantasy points in a game all season, which is a testament to how balanced this team is. Um, they, you know, they 
give heavy minutes to their starters, but no one starter like really dominates the usage or like really, really fills up the stat sheet. Um, Bryce Hopkins is probably their best player. Um, you know, he's a Kentucky transfer who does have the ability to fill up the stat sheet in all kinds of different categories, but he hasn't really done it yet this season. Um, what we've seen so far, though, against Kansas State, scoring guards have done really well against Kansas State. Um, we saw Boogie Ellis in game one have a big night against them, and Charlie Easley of South Dakota State earlier in the week have a big game against them, which would bode well for Providence's Devin Carter. He is their best scoring guard. Um, so if um, you know, you're know you kind of buying on that trend of scoring guards doing well against Kansas State, Devin Carter would be the Providence guy that you would want to go with here in this one. Next up is going to be Florida State taking on Florida. Um, the Battle of Florida. Um, and we've got Florida projected to win this one, according to Ken Palm, 85 to 78. For Florida, Riley Kugel, Walter Clayton, and Tyree Samuel are the three starters who have usage rates north of 20%. Kugel has been the most expensive guy on both DFS sites so far this season, but Clayton has actually been more productive so far in terms of raw fantasy points. And it's mainly because Clayton plays more minutes. Riley Kugel is not a guy who's going to be out there for like 35 to 38 minutes. Um, um, Willie, um, Walter Clayton, excuse me, can be that guy though. Now, what is interesting for Florida is they are getting Zion Pullen back for this game. Um, he is a transfer from UC Riverside who averaged 18 points a game last season. Um, so I don't exactly know what his salary is going to be on DraftKings. I don't know what to expect from him in terms of minutes or usage, but if you can score 18 points a game in the division one level, then you're going to be a pretty solid player. So uh, I definitely think that he's definitely a high upside play. And I'm going to be curious to see what that price tag is as to whether or not I'm willing to take that chance and put him in my lineup. Now, Florida State, historically, and again, the case this year, they are a difficult team to target guys from in DFS. Um, they play a deep bench. It's what Leonard Hamilton does. It's what he's done for the last decade at Florida State. Um, and they also have not been tested yet. They haven't played a close game yet at all. So we really don't know what this rotation and, and these usage rates are going to look like when Florida State actually has to play a good team and play a close game. Now, the good news is, is that both these teams play a pretty fast tempo. So you're going to see a lot of points scored by pretty much everybody in the game, and we got to try to figure out who it's going to be for the Seminoles that's going to be scoring those points. Um, and like I said, it's pretty tough to do that because no one on this team has played more than 25 minutes in a single game so far. So, the guy that I would want to target would be Jameer Watkins. He does lead the team in usage rate at 26%. And then you've got Darren Green and Baba Miller as the other two starters who are north of 20% in terms of their usage. Baba Miller was a super big-time recruit last year, um, was kind of a mild disappointment last year, but he didn't play a whole lot of minutes and he was pretty productive in the minutes he played. Um, so if he is going to end up playing big minutes, he's probably going to have a pretty big night. Cameron Fletcher is the other guy I'm interested in. He comes off the bench, but he has a usage rate of 32%. Um, so basically what's happening with him is when he's in the game, he's out there chucking and, and he's he's scoring the ball. He's, he's putting up fancy points. He's a guy that I would be willing to go to for that reason. You just don't know what you're going to get out of him in terms of minutes. Maryland and Villanova is next up, and this is probably um, one of the uglier games of the night, but uh, you know it's two pretty big-name teams, pretty solid matchup, pretty even matchup in my opinion. Ken Palm has this one projected to be Villanova 70-65. to Villanova ranks 328th in tempo, whereas Maryland ranks 329th. Traditionally, Villanova in DFS formats have had a lot of guys priced in the 7K range ish on DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, and if that's the case, Justin Moore is going to be the guy that I'm interested in. He leads the team in usage rate and he's the only starter with a usage rate north of 
Jordan Longino, backup point guard, is actually second in usage, um, but you never really know how many minutes he's going to play, so I'm not super-duper interested in him. I think for Villanova, guys, I'm probably just sticking it close to the belt, and unless somebody comes in super underpriced, probably just sticking with Justin Moore. Now, Maryland has a big three. They have three guys with usage rates north of 25%. They're all pretty solid players. Jameer Young, who's a transfer from UNC Charlotte. Julian Reese, their big man. And then freshman Deshaun Harris-Smith. Of the three of them, I think Reese has the best matchup. I think that um, this Villanova team, they're not super big. They can be had down low a little bit. And Julian Reese, over the course of his career, has been kind of a bully down low to smaller teams. Um, and he definitely let me down big time when I rolled him out against UAB earlier in the season. But he is a high upside um, player that I really am willing to go back to here in this matchup. Jameer Young is a super ball-dominant guard. I think you can play pretty much any time. Um, but they've really been pricing him up so far that early this year on DraftKings. So if he can comes in north of about let's I'm gonna make the line about 8400 if he's north of 8400 in salary I'm probably not willing to play him uh, or at least willing to play him a whole lot Next up is San Diego State taking on St. Mary's, the battle out west of two great defensive teams, and they do not play very fast. Believe it or not, actually, San Diego State is playing at a faster tempo right now than they have like ever. They're ranked 103rd in the nation, which is um, really good for them. Um, but anyway, that it doesn't really carry over into the game total because it's projected to be San Diego State 67 to 65, lowest scoring game of the slate on FanDuel, and I'd be willing to bet that it's the lowest scoring game of the slate on DraftKings when DraftKings releases the slate. So Jaden Ledee, who was a kind of a bit player last year for San Diego State, he'd come off the bench, they'd give him the ball on the low block, he'd score two or three buckets, pick up two or three rebounds, pick up two or three fouls, and head right back to the bench. Um, he is actually their best player now, and he's their highest usage player. He's he's a pretty solid low post player that um, gets the ball quite a lot. He's averaging 40 fancy points per game on DraftKings. Um, but the problem is that St. Mary's is really good at defending the interior, um, so I don't think this is the best matchup for him. He would have to come in under 7,500 on DraftKings for me to have interest. Reese Waters is actually second on the team in usage. He's a USC transfer. He's the guy I probably would be most likely to play on this San Diego State team because he hasn't been super productive so far, so there's not a reason to um, you know, price him up a lot. But I'm willing to bank on the fact that he's second in usage. He's probably this team's best guard, um, and so he's the guy that I would be willing to go with um, outside of Ladee. Now, the other two guards that play a lot of minutes are Lamont Butler and Micah Parrish. They're going to be out there. They're going to be um, having opportunities to score fancy points, but with this game being kind of a slow tempo with St. Mary's, I'm probably not super interested in them unless they come in super low priced. For St. Mary's, you got Aiden Mahaney, who has turned into a super high usage player in his sophomore year. He's got 28% usage right now, and he plays the most minutes on the team, so he's going to have the most opportunities to score fancy points. Mitchell Saxon is their big man who's been really productive over the last two years. We've seen him have some really big games. I don't think San Diego State is the best matchup, but he's definitely a high upside play. And then Harry Wessels is Mitchell Saxon's back up. So if Saxon were to get in foul trouble, Harry Wessels could play some big time minutes and have a big time game. He is only playing like not a lot of minutes like at all. Um, about 30% of the minutes in fact, but um, when he plays, he's at a 27.9% usage rate. So um, he's a guy you can definitely go to um, just because kind of like a pivot player, kind of like a GPP play where if this guy does end up playing 25, 30 minutes, he's probably going to give you 25, 30 fantasy points. Augustus Mercy Lunas is the next guy I would target. He's kind of the secondary guard on this uh, St. Mary's team. So if something were to happen to Mahaney, Mercy Lunas would probably be the, the ball dominant player and, and probably their best scoring option. Last up on the FanDuel slate, and this is the one where I would say 
there's a chance this one doesn't end up on the DraftKings slate because this one's tipping off at midnight Eastern time, which is super late. Um, but it, it's a pretty solid game. We got Xavier taking on Washington. It's projected to be Xavier 80 to 75. For Xavier, Quincy Oliveri and Davion McKnight are, are kind of been disappointments so far um, because they came over as transfers in the portal from um, Rice and from Western Kentucky, respectively. And they haven't really been like just elite scorers like they were at their previous school. So um, they're playing a lot of minutes, but they haven't really been super productive, not super high usage rates. The guy who does have a high usage rate is their big man, Abu Usman, who's another transfer from North Texas. And then Desmond Claude has turned into their best all-around player. He's kind of filling in the Kobe Jones role from last season where he's just kind of doing a little bit of everything. And in a game that gets up and down like this, give me the guy who can get fancy points in a multitude of ways because if he's getting rebounds, assists, steals, points, that, that's just more opportunities for fantasy points and more opportunities for um, him to have a big night. On the Washington side, um, Xavier Wheeler, the Kentucky and Georgia transfer, has only played the last two games, but he's been really good when he's played. He's at a 29.7% usage rate, um, and I think that's going to continue. I'm going to be curious to see what his price tag is on DraftKings, but if it's anywhere below like 7,500, I'm willing to roll him out because of how high this game total is and how high his usage rate is. Keon Brooks has also been tearing it up. Hey, he's another Kentucky transfer. I mean, he has a 28% usage rate. He is their primary big, um, and he is a big-time scorer for them. Uh, Xavier last year was very vulnerable to bigs because Nunji and Fremantle were not great defenders. Um, this year, Usman has done a decent job of holding it down, but he hasn't really been tested with a high-quality big yet. Um, so, well, other than Zach Eady. Um, But Zach Eady, you kind of got to throw it out just because he's like 7'4 and like, there's no one else in college basketball like that. So uh, I'm going to need to see how he defends a normal human-sized college basketball big man, which is also a weird statement to say. But anyway, um, I think Keon Brooks is a pretty solid option. I'm going to be interested to see how Xavier defends him. And and with that high usage rate, I definitely think he's in play. I am not super interested in the rest of this Washington team unless they get priced down. Because what you've had with them is they played one game without Xavier Wheeler and guys like Corin Johnson had big nights and and went up and price tagged from it. And then Xavier got back, dominated all the usage, and all these guys that had big nights in night one haven't really gotten priced down um, just yet. Um, And so I'm just not super interested in in the rest of this Washington team unless we're going to look at a bunch of guys that are in the 4K range when the salaries come out. All right, so there you have it. That was the um, five-game FanDuel slate. Like I said, I'm not going to try to project a whole lot what the DraftKings slate is going to look like, but I'm pretty confident those five games are going to be on it. Um, So Hopefully that was able to give you guys some good information that when the slate does come out, you can attack those five games. Um, you know what you're looking at and you're going to be able to piece together a lineup with those five games and from what we know about um, the rest of the teams on the slate. Now, if you want more information from me, there are places you can get that. First off, you can follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. I tweet out the DFS rundown every night where I just go over some of my favorite categories uh, of favorite guys to play of kind of just each category that I had there on the rundown. Um, and then also I'm in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description. There have been a lot of people in that Discord who have won a lot of money in college basketball recently. And I'm not saying that you're going to instantly join and find success. But what I am saying is, is you're going to instantly join and be surrounded by a lot of people who know a lot about DFS and know a lot about college basketball. And we're constantly bouncing plays off each other, floating ideas. Uh, and it's a very successful environment, very fun environment. Um, so if you're looking to chat it up with people of 
all DFS levels, all DFS sports. We do more than college basketball. Join the Fantasy Corner Discord. I cannot recommend it enough. And then also, I do write my full slate articles for every slate on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. I will highlight my core plays as well as kind of my attack strategy for each slate and how I'm attacking it. Like I said, I'm not going to guarantee that you're going to join and instantly win GPPs, but I can guarantee that you're going to get some solid information, you, you know, get better at DFS and learn how to kind of attack these slates, whether it's a big slate, small slate, whatever. Um, you'll have a plan of attack for each slate. All right, that does it for the episode. So hopefully was able to give you guys some good information. Hopefully DraftKings gets out these salaries pretty soon. That way I can start building. Um, and also if you join the Fantasy Corner Discord, if there is ever a time where I don't do a podcast episode, I usually end up putting my notes um, there in the Discord, meaning like if, you know, all the guys that I really like and don't like, um, I end up putting in notes and, and talk about usage rates and game totals and stuff like that. So um, if you want to read my notes for the rest of the night slate, um, then join the Fantasy Corner Discord. I, I should have mentioned that earlier. Anyway, that is the end of the episode here. So um, if you made it this far, thank you guys for listening to this point. Best of luck to you and all your DFS endeavors, and I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.